0: Thanks for listening to The World We Deserve, the officially unofficial podcast for HBO's True Detective Anthology, brought to you by Bald Move.
1: Waking up is hey,
0: everybody. We are back with uh, another True Detective podcast. This one's going to be a lot different, though. You know, not, not a whole lot of narration
1: to do on the plot of the upcoming season. In 2015, Jim and Aaron <laughs> struggle to comprehend what season two of True Detective will look like. Uh, not a lot of segments here, no psychosphere, no real Meanwhile, room for Nick Ghisolotto holds down Kerry Fukunaga and gives him purple nurples <laughs> and red and pink bellies. Uh, and Colin
0: Farrell gets dirty, <laughs> dirtier than Colin Farrell usually is. Uh, yeah, we're just going to talk a little bit about the new season what we what we've read, what we think, what we hope, uh all that kind of stuff.
1: I think this is an uncontroversial statement, but for some reason, you know, uh, from just what I can see on the True Detective subreddit, this is a controversial opinion. I think we all need to be prepared that season 2 is n- is not going to be the same as season 1. Okay, yeah. It might not be as quote unquote good as season 1. Hmm. Now, that is, is so subjective, you know? It is subje- subjective, but I think you can say that in, like, Better Call Saul is not better than Breaking Bad. How could it I be? I agree, yeah. But, you know, that seems to be non-controversial, but you asked this as a true detective. is like, you know, I, I guess it would be surprising to me if it was as good or better than season one. If you had this, like, insane yeah. chemistry between two leads that are actually real li- friends and, and real life and... And, you know, something that the, that the writer has been noodling on for a decade, something that was steeped into his bones of the area that he grew up in. Yeah, yeah. Like, how in the fuck could it possibly be the same? If if, if you want to say they're equally good, how could they be the same in, in, in the way they, they feel? So, And that's the danger of anthology series anyway. Yeah, that's...
0: I, I don't know what I'm expecting, honestly. I've read a bunch of reviews that are saying, you know... It's more of kind of what you expect from Pizzolatto as far as like characters are going to monologue about, you know, the world and the universe and the meaning of life and all this stuff. But you're kind of over. I am. I was I was over at episode one of season one. Um, That was the least compelling part of True Detective for me. Yeah. I'm I like... liked the sense of dread. I liked the setting. I liked the music i like the acting like the action sequences like all that stuff i loved except i i didn't really care for being beat over the head over and over and over
1: with the sledgehammer of philosophy see as far as the philosophy goes i'm about a plate and a halfway through a chinese buffet okay now (laughs) which means you have a lot more to go depending on how the next (laughs) trip to buffet goes okay i could be totally Mm -hmm. full not eat another stuff or i could go back for four more yeah like is this crab night I could okay. get, I might be get six plates of that shit. And how full are you loading your plates, you know? Right. You know if it's it's all crab rangoon is... and general so and and fried rice then man, maybe two mm. plates will fill me up. So I yeah. I know I'm still hungry for that. I did not get bored with it in season 1. So but I can okay. I could I, I can imagine a universe in which time is a flat circle and I do get Tired of that. Like if if the concepts stop ringing true, they start becoming cliched or almost parody. Mm -hmm. um, I'll probably lose patience with it. But I'm that's not a a immediate concern of mine. I think it's it's slightly more
0: concerning to me that he does not have necessarily the people there who I I felt helped him a lot through the course of season one, such as Corey Fukunaga. I mean, the style of True Detective visually. Felt really good, mm-hmm. felt, you know, crisp and it felt I mean, at the beginning it was plotting, but so was the writing and the pace of the show. Um But I felt like he's a really good director. And I, I know this other guy, the Fast and the Furious guy is also good. He's done more than Fast and the Furious. Well, plus there's a
1: lot of, uh, you know, if you want to talk, I mean, let's let's talk about because I've got some I want to go back to the anthology versus serial format. But we're talking about f- uh, P- Pizzolatto. Yeah and particularly his relationship with Fukunaga. And we, well, I,
0: I mean, to regard your comment, to address your comment, uh, I'm I'm saying I don't know if I'm going to like the all-Pizzolatto show.
1: Mm. That you seems know? to be something important, because I know in a lot of the interviews he's stressing that like this is all coming from him, and, and he seems like intentionally want to set up the situation where the writer-slash-showrunner is king, which is weird, because I feel like for the last 10 years that's kind of been universally regarded as true. Okay. Yeah. Now I don't know, maybe he thought he was f- flirting with uh, that, not, you know, like overthrowing that regime by sharing, uh, you know, prominence with Fukunaga. But I do know that some of the stuff I've seen in the last week or two has kind of turned me off of, cause I hmm. was reading a review from Alan Seppenwall and he mentioned that in the early going, there is an intentional, uh, you know, effigy of Fukunaga, uh, a guy who looks intentionally to be like him, and he's a film director, uh-huh. and he's uh, he is an object of mockery and derision, and that doesn't sit well with me. Like it was already that kind uh, of public; it was already borderline turnoff off the way he just refused to give him any credit in the commentaries and the interviews. I, I said all the while, saying, "Oh no, there's no beef here." Uh-huh. But the only way I would be cool with that because I know that Carrie is still a uh, executive producer which could mean nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably means absolutely nothing.
1: <laughs> like the Cohen brothers executive produced Fargo had zero involvement and did did nothing but essentially say yeah. we're not going to sue you if you do this. Uh-huh. Um, so I hope he's still getting paid. Or he's still getting some bank off this. But the only way I'd be cool with this if, if secretly him and Nick are best friends <laughs> and he said you should do this just to fuck with people. Uh-huh. Like I would be totally okay with this whole public beef thing. Um, But then I don't understand why they wouldn't be still working together, because I think I'm with you. Part of the thing that was very cool about True Detective was seeing the uh, show expressed through a singular uh, vision from the director, like just as interesting as it was. It was seamlessly written by one man and it all seemed like of a piece. The filmmaking, I think, was a big part of that now. You know, Jeremy Lin is, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Fast and Furious, but he's, <laughs> he's done a lot more than just that. Exactly. Uh, and my- he's
0: only on for the first two episodes, right?
1: Yeah. And Michael Sapochnik, who okay. just came off the red hot Game of Thrones Hard Home episode, is directing episode six, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's right in the spot where True Detective, judging by last year, got like to its crescendo. I guess. Four or five where it's like peak as far as a, an action standpoint. But it's sure, kind of yeah. like in that direction. Um, I'm just kind of worried that maybe this has gone to his head and he's going to chuck Fukunaga and go with these, you know, potpourri of directors. And it's going to be missing some of the specialness. Aside from the fact that there, you know, that I think the story he told in the first season is kind of like a once in a lifetime thing. When you mind that much of your own personal history. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. you can never do that again.
0: With the area and everything. That's not yeah, it's not saying you, can't, you sure. can't
1: get as good or better, but I'm saying that particular experience, you have to live another lifetime. Maybe he can do that when he's 50 or 60, but... Yeah, like, it makes me wonder, how long has he been in L.A.?
0: How long has he, you know, kind of had this scenario rolling around in his head? Or is mm-hmm. it something that he literally, like, oh, I got to hit with True Detective. I need to come up with the next thing. Yeah. And, you know, let's, let's brainstorm something real quick. Or was it, like... Part of his experience in, in Hollywood, in L.A. itself. One thing that is... Because anyway, I know he's been a writer for a while. He was on other shows where yeah. he just didn't feel like he had the creative control he wanted and right. stuff like that. Um, but what were you going to say?
1: Uh, I was want to say about the nature of the reviews and kind of how the yeah. fan reaction has driven me crazy and how it's a microcosm of everything that's wrong in social discourse because, you know... I'm seeing, so if you look at Metacritic, a true detective essentially has gotten 13 positive reviews and 12 mixed reviews and zero negative reviews. Okay. And people are, 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 you know, treating these mixed reviews where people are like, it's not the same as the reconnaissance. Yeah. You know, don't expect a second coming of that, but there are some interesting things or some of them like, well, I'm worried about this. Um, And you know, People lose their minds like, oh, what do they know? I'm not going to judge anything until I see it or something. But I guarantee if people are saying this is another work of singular genius, people would be yeah. like, I knew it. I yep. knew it. lotto has done it
0: again. Uh-huh. So it's like... It's confirmation bias. They're they're not... Yes. Why do you read reviews, right? Do you read reviews to be informed about what people think about what
1: they're or to seeing? Or appropriately set your expectations because expectations true. can kill you.
0: That too. Or do you, or do you read them just to justify your own opinion? Yeah. Which a preconceived notion about
1: something. is a fucked I think is a fucked up way to approach yeah. any kind of subjective entertainment. These, I mean, oh, of course, yeah. And and you can be pleasant. I and I'm I find it much easier to be pleasantly surprised after having my expectations set appropriately, yeah. than to expect a A plus ten out of ten and get a seven or an eight
0: or a three. If you're talking about like Star Wars prequels, right? Yeah. Like that's the ultimate example. I I feel, yeah. Like oh man, look at Star Wars! It's Star Wars. How can it be bad? And then boom. Uh, but the interviews I've been reading and the the reviews, particularly on the show, for people who've seen the first three episodes, are I don't know, roughly what you'd expect. You know, it's not like even the mixed reviews are not saying this is a piece of trash. They're saying not it's kind of more True Detective with maybe slightly more cliched uh, cop drama stuff um, in, in some instances. You know actors who actors who are mystery. doing great stuff, but you know it's not McConaughey because mm-hmm. McConaughey is like the pinnacle of television.
1: Yeah, apparently. and I think it, it. And it, True Detective kind of caught lightning because he was getting hot. Yeah, and like pitching, you know, he'd found his ninety nine mile an hour fastball, and then he brings it to True Detective. Yeah, so that that didn't help. I will say this: that last year there was not very many critics saying, my God, this is the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen after three episodes. No. Now right. I was saying that I was saying that from I episode wasn't. one, like this yeah. is like, but you are too. If you read, if you wrote an episode of the or a review, of the first three episodes, it would be middling to scathing. Maybe. I don't know, scathing. So, it wouldn't
0: be scathing, but it would it would be on the negative side of mediocre.
1: Yeah. So, and that's something that like I, I was reading an old uh, interview with Pizzolatto by Alan Sepinwall, uh today, and you know Nick was saying that the frustration of reviewing the first three episodes of True Detective and seeing people pan it is kind of like what an author would feel if someone read the first third of his book. Yeah. And then like, this is it's going the first nowhere. act, man. My God, when is something going to happen? Like, why is it? Like- yeah. So that is all very true. And it could be that by every time everything is said and done, this is another 80, 90 percenter. Sure. Um, but I think you're probably going to be in for disappointment if you're expecting, especially... It seems if what drew, drove 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 if what drove you to True Detective was the, you know, Cthulhu type atmosphere and the occult trappings and the mystery hmm. within a mystery within a mystery.
0: Now I know there are some some occult is there uh, ideas because in here. I from what I'm hearing this. You know, the basic story of it is going to be around the highway system and how the Masons are connected to it. Is um, that
1: current information? Because I'm not seeing any current reviews that are referencing that. Well, they've only seen the first three episodes. Well, so, that's what I'm saying. Like the first episode of True Detective, girl uh, you know, with spirals on her back, wearing horns, devil traps, like it was right in your face Yeah, that this is something it spooky. It could be a staring Stealer killer, killer, whatever. But there was a lot of like really spooky stuff going on at the beginning. If this is just yeah, some you're dude, right. The reviews a I've seen, lot.
0: the reviews I've seen have been more around like the cop drama type stuff. You yeah. know, like take away the the deer antlers and the symbols from that first body in the first three episodes of True Detective, and I think that feels more like what people are talking about for season two. Sure,
1: um, maybe it unfolds differently. Which you and know, I, a point can, can be made that. that nobody re like that was kind of the hook, but what people were raving about was the relationship between rust and Marty. And I think that's what we talked about in our podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, the other thing I think is interesting is it gives me hope that this is going to be really good is one of the big question marks. The big concerns I had was Vince Fawn. <laughs> and even in the lukewarm to middling reviews, his performance is getting universal praise. Like this is vintage post swingers. I've seen somebody call. Yeah, I, I agree for the most part. I
0: saw somebody call his monologue piss poor though. Just like the most ridiculous monologuing they've ever seen. Well. Like just bad like you know, you know how Piselado's writing is, right? It feels stilted a lot. Well and I it mean, takes that's an exceptional, very subjective. I, I don't know. I think the lines that Matthew McConaughey was given coming out of someone else's mouth could sound terrible. Well, it depends on who we're talking Absolutely about. Absolutely terrible. But, you know, like, yeah. I, I think Brian Cranston could deal with that. Probably so. But, we're, you know,
1: you're talking sure. about
0: the 1% here. Sure. I'm saying the the writing is but tough did to did you think off, Brian Cranston
1: I... could do that before you saw him in True Detective? Is this... No, and that's why I'm giving Vince
0: Vaughn there the benefit you go. of the doubt. Like, there you go. I don't like Vince Vaughn as an actor very much. I don't think he's very funny. I don't think he's particularly charming. Uh... I, I, most a lot of people like him. He's been stuck in one gear for like the past 10 years. He has, and I, I'm interested to see what he can do when he branches out. Uh, I feel like this is less of a reach for Colin Farrell, but
1: right. but I like when Colin Farrell does I these. Did, roles. I saw this one reviewer, it says Colin Farrell playing an uh against type as an alcoholic detective, and I'm like, uh, are <laughs> wait. Th- or did I have a stroke? Did uh-huh. playing against type mean the opposite of what I think it means? Because I think that's exactly the kind of thing I would expect Colin Farrell to play. Yeah. Someone haunted, tormented with an addiction problem. I mean, apparently he's been sober for a while now, so you got to wonder if maybe that's, that's, that's what That's always they mean. the threat. Anytime you have a, a, an alcohol. I mean, that was shit. That's Russ Cole. This is a guy who doesn't drink uh-huh. and like, but in, you know, first episode you see him, you know, swigging Robotussin and getting drunk before he shows up at Marty's house. So yeah. there's that tension with an addict, and I've yet to see a work of fiction where you have you start with a clean addict mm-hmm. and he stays clean throughout the the series with no threats of falling off the wagon.
0: Okay, well, I, I I'm I've got my hands together, uh, looking to God for Colin Farrell here, hoping <laughs> this role doesn't drive him into the grave uh i want from what i'm hearing rachel mcadams is great i fully expect that i think she's awesome yeah yeah and then taylor kitsch is just kind of there yeah he's got one of the more cliched roles and uh he's i don't know i don't know anything about that guy honestly i I haven't seen him in anything and
1: you know the other thing of speaking to cliches is i was kind of raised my eyebrows when i saw that vince's plot was essentially a former gangster taking all of his cash and going legitimate into a casino and i'm thinking huh Oh, huh. I've never I've never seen that told in any what? kind of format before. Like a, like a former priest doing the same thing? <laughs> no, or I'm just saying like, priest? that's essentially the Godfather playbook. It's the casino playbook. It's been uh so many
0: different... Oh, not going to gamble in a casino. No, going <laughs> to actually it. be, yes, okay.
1: uh, you know, go legitimate in the, the quasi... casino business. Yeah, the quasi-legitimate area of gotcha. gambling. So... Yeah, that's all over the place. I, that's... Kind of got me worried, but if everyone's saying like the, the things I thought might be the worst part of the season, people are saying is the best. Mm-hmm. Then, and I I suspected Colin Farrell would be awesome. I suspected Rachel McAdams would be awesome, and I don't really give a shit about the other guy. and And it's also possible that he will, you know, you. you one of the big criticisms of the first film was it was just about these two dudes. Yeah, these two like you know stereotypically that, that seemed by design certainly. And now you've got. And and I think that Nick Piazzolo seems kind of thin skinned enough um, or reactionary enough that he intentionally sat off, you know, because the first thing he pitched like immediately after True Detective was over was, I think I'm going to have two female leads. Yeah. OK, well, you know, if, if it's all about the singular focus on two dudes, now you've got three dudes and a lady. Uh-huh. But I wonder if they'll all feel like different versions of Rust and Marty. It's interesting because
0: the reviews I'm reading are saying that Rachel McAdams' character is basically a woman surviving in a man's world and essentially trying to become more manlike.
1: To, well, that's, I mean, that's like Kima and the Wire, along. right? Yeah, yeah, like it totally most is. Most women, that's, that's CCH Pounder in The Shield, like. Yeah, most women in this kind of role. I'm just
0: wondering how that's going to be accepted, and is that going to be seen as some kind of, you know, cop out? No pun intended. Huh. Um, with with a female character in a lead role, you know, is that know. is that going to satisfy anybody who was saying why is it so focused on these misogynistic guys? You know, why is this world so misogynistic? Well, I don't know that that helps necessarily.
1: I don't know. It's, probably, it's like I I thought all that stuff was overblown and poorly argued anyway. Okay. Um, and you know, I like, I think Emily Nospum, like I've read her articles and I even saw the thread where she waited in a Reddit to defend herself. And I just, Oh, that's never a good idea. Uh, I no think matter she what actually, you're trying to defend, I think she handled herself well, but I just don't agree with her, her central thesis. Okay. Um, so, but then again, I'm a, I'm a dude that this is presumably pitched at. So sure. Um, you know, I like I said, the the absence of the the Lovecraftian potential horror or the potential absence of it. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that he might have written this as a direct reaction to the critics, of uh, even as he says he's not. That's the big thing I'm worried about um, hmm. on the plus side. I've also heard that it looks still amazing, like Jeremy Lin and yeah. the first two uh, episodes did a really good job of setting the tone. And, you know, if you look at uh, some of these other directors, like, you know, Michael Sapanchnik, I think I'm a newly converted fan. Um, I've heard good things about David. At, at I think it's Athias or Atius, who hmm. has done a lot of work for HBO. Like, I feel like we're in good hands directorially. It just might not be as of a piece as the other stuff was. Yeah.
0: I, I don't know. I'm I'm still very much up in the air on this. I have no judgment on like. Oh, from what I've heard, I don't think I'll like it or I'll love it one one way or another. I think, you know, there's enough in there that's still true detective that I'm going to enjoy it. Um, The actors are good enough that I'm going to enjoy it. I just don't want it to get too up its own ass.
1: Well, the other thing is, like, with the the nature of the anthology is if season one wasn't your cup of tea, maybe if you thought the -the over-the-top serial killer stuff with the occult trappings was hard to swallow sure this you actually might like this episode more or this season more yeah um you know that's there's not a lot of anthologies nowadays like you got american horror and fargo and fargo fargo's was kind fresh of- is fresh off its sophomore year or a fr- freshman year too and i get it yeah
0: it's it's they're telling the same uh, telling a different story in the same world right like yes and as far as, so as what I, I know Detective too. It, I guess if the yeah the world they're telling it in is the real world yeah yeah that's what sure
1: I'm, what's what I'm, what I'm getting at I,
0: I just don't think Fargo is going to feel as different as maybe a season two of True Detective will
1: yeah that's yeah because you're you're going from the swamps of Louisiana to you know L A yeah
0: or like the leftovers it seems like they're they're going in a big di- different direction with that um but they have a lot of the same actors so right. it's like there are through lines whereas this is just entirely new right
1: but that's the thing like. Whether you like the one, whether you like one single season of American Horror has no predictive value about whether you like the next one. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, now, if you watch two or three and they're just like all bullshit, then you <laughs> probably just don't like the style or, or, you know, Ryan Murphy or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, I think it's natural for people to have clear favorites and clear dislikes, and for that to wildly fluctuate between fan to fan. Yeah. Like it's harder to get a consensus about what's better because with you know, stuff that's serialized like the wire and breaking bad and mad men. It's essentially, how does this season fit in overall the narrative mm-hmm. and which is most efficient and more fun and more interesting way to get there or true detective, everything's self-contained. So it's not fatal for true detective to have a B season after it had an A plus season or even have a C yeah, season. No, I agree. Like the only way this will be fatal if, if it's probably below <laughs> a C yeah they really just have to completely
0: miss the mark on. This. or
1: if everyone's expecting the exact same feel that they got from the first okay. season and the backlash against that i mean and the, some of those reviews read like there's a little bit of an axe to grind for pisolato and i think he leaves himself open for that with all the goddamn controversy and kind of ego that he puts out on the paper mm-hmm. um and you know i think reviewers are kind of bad at that if they just don't like somebody because of whatever they find it hard to be fair to them but yeah i mean that's the other thing could be fatal i guess is if 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 our own expectations you know we want rust and marty version 2.0 and we get you know yeah. you want windows 95 and you get mac os or vice versa <laughs> uh-huh. like what the fuck is this i'm shutting it down and never turn it on again
0: sure all
1: right anything else to say about this or are you done i think i think that's about it uh what's our release schedule going to be people need um, to think, know that.
0: I think the plan is to have it as a Thursday release. Um you know, we're we're trying to do this new format thing part of the the reason we have to postpone it is going to be the psychosphere because a lot of that stuff doesn't come out until like a Wednesday. It takes a while
1: to get all those takes and all those theories. Yeah, to piece together all the clues and and also to be honest to get all the the editing done. So the and, and this is sure. an experiment. The price of admission of having a more produced podcast, that's more comprehensive is a later release date. Yeah. And will we be screwed over by people getting out on, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays? We I don't I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, I'm it's certainly getting... something we're keeping an eye on.
0: We are, and yeah. also
1: if we're get, if we're four episodes in there and there's no cyclosphere to be found, like if they're not even <laughs> interested in solving you their own damn mystery, yeah, that might be impetus to move it up a day or two. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, I'm still going into this thinking that there will be an investigation. It might not be deer antlers and black stars yeah. and strange moons. Sure, but it's going to be, It'll be black robes and eyeballs and pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't even think that's good. It's going to be more like DNA analysis and okay, and yeah. fibers anal- analyzed, and this suspect and this motive, and it's it's a classic who done it.
0: Man, I'm honestly hoping for the occult stuff in there. I like do. if they go into the Masons, I will be
1: super happy. No, I yeah, d- totally. I'm I like the cult stuff. Okay, I'm just as as I practice what I preach. Uh-huh. I'm hearing that there's very little occult stuff in the first three episodes, so I'm. You know, I can't imagine them doing that in season one of True Detective. Like, if you got yeah. through the, the fourth episode and then a deer antler springs up out of Marty's ass, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> so, like, if this, uh, you know, I don't know. That'd be interesting if you, you have a just a by-the-book murder that turns out there's something deeper and darker to it. That might be interesting, sure. I'm just saying I'm not expecting it.
0: Okay. I'll yeah. be pleasantly I, I surprised agree.
1: if we do have the the God's eyes and the finished, unfinished mystery pyramid and all that uh-huh. stuff.
0: <laughs> we'll see.
1: See how it goes. If you'd like to send in your feedback, you can do so by emailing it to truedetective at baldmove.com. You can find all of our content at baldmove.com and participate in our discussion forums. Keep up with our latest release schedules by liking us on Facebook or following us on Twitter.